When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Went to TwitterAudit.com and it's official. Only 4% of you in Redcast Nation are Russian porn bots, so we got that going for us, which is nice. (laughs) Well, at least we now know, right? That's the most important thing. Yep. Uh, also with Boomer. Well, we got a lot of good uh, mailbag comments today, so I'm looking forward to getting some of these questions and hearing Honky's breakdown of uh, Italy's big victory over Norway in uh, Olympic doubles mixed curling this week. So look forward to that, Redcasters. Shocking result there, really. I, yeah. Uh, also with Redcast, Rob. Hey guys, we got a lot of nice feedback after our show last week and a lot of people saying a lot of nice things about me. So I'm going to be canceling my trip to Nebraska in the spring because God forbid any of you actually meet me in real life. Yeah, you don't want to actually know Redcast Rob, Redcast Nation. That That's a really poor life choice right there. You, <laughs> you don't want to do it. I mean, so, Dave is, if anyone wants to blame anyone, we can all blame Dave because he's the right. one that insisted on being my friend, which is probably the biggest regret he'll have in his entire life, so. Those that invade your entire life, guys. I mean, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you right now. Start never showing up at your house on the weekend. Start hanging out. You know, just like sleeping on the couch. Right, right. Stealing honky from me. It's it's just you know vicious. Hey, um, you, you leave my honky out of this. You understand? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we're back, uh, and uh, you know, we had a had a good show last week, and. Uh, you know, Honky, we're going to do a mailbag, I believe, this week. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, uh, signing day was last Wednesday. And uh, I think we got both of our, our kind of signing day predictions correct. Is that fair to say? Yeah, A.J. Allen and, and Jerry and Bonner both ended up signing. And Bonner was, you know, a little bit of a, a surprise. And it was a surprise visit they took the weekend before to Lincoln to uh, solidify it and. I think it was Rob saying it last week how uh, there was a time they were talking to Joseph and Joseph was in Georgia on the, yeah. you know, doing a radio show or whatever. And sure enough, there's Joseph's name yet again uh, yeah. associated with a, this is a four-star uh, wide receiver recruit that we got from Georgia. So, yeah. I mean, like six, three, 200 pounds. I like, like that frame. Um, uh, seems like uh, it's the right type of wide out we, we like here. So it's exciting. And um, you know, we'll, we'll let him get on campus and, and go from there but it it seems to be a good addition Mm -hmm. all right well um you know the mailbag opened up earlier today and you had to close it down because we got so many questions uh so let's uh just uh dive in do you want to start off honky sure i'll start off here and we've got football basketball baseball questions and a few other ones and then boomer you'll be kind of manning the uh the live questions so if anything's coming in any viewers watching this uh, as we're doing this uh send them in and and uh, comments, questions, and we'll try to get to those as well. But uh, let's start off with uh, co-worker Eric. And I think this is just a, a good general opening question for football next season is, what will success look like at the end of the season next year? 
Dave, I'm going to start with you on that. Just, you know, a lot of people think bowl games or that we need to win eight or 10 or what, what is success to you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the bowl game is, would be how I would define success. I know that some people may feel like that's not ambitious enough, but I think if, um, if we get to a bowl game next year, um, I feel like that's enough signs of success that, that, that this coaching staff will be here for uh, yet, yet another year. Mm-hmm. Boomer. Uh, yeah, I'm a little more, uh, I think, demanding in what I'm going to call success next year. Um, you know, I, I hear people say that, you know, you just need to win six games and, you know, make that bowl game. But, you know, the way I look at it, you know, I take the staff at their word that we're close. We're about to have that breakthrough. Okay. So if we're that close, you know, we have all those one score losses last year. We've got a schedule that flips in our favor, um, which is something, you know, we've been asking for as fans and coaching staff for some time now. You don't have the Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan States, you know, on the schedule this year. And, you know, the way I look at it, you know, settling for like a a six-win season, just looking at the way the schedule lays out, that's just terrible. I mean, you start with Northwestern, a team you pummeled last year, should be able to clobber again, even, you know, unless you're drunk on Irish whiskey or something. But uh, Could happen. You know, you've got two buy-in games after that. You've got an Oklahoma team in transition with total new coaching staff and players. And then you've got those two flips for the East. you got Indiana and Rutgers. So right there to start the season, you've got – five games you should just win if you're actually making steps and improving and even that Oklahoma game at home no reason you couldn't win that so right there I mean if you're talking you should have five wins pretty much guaranteed coming out of that if you're making steps as a team to say you only want to settle for six wins next year that means you're dropping five out of your last six of a season you can't well, call that a success <laughs> well if I if wow. I recall from a previous show Rob believes that we're at least going to get the six wins because uh, we're going to go six and zero to start off is that correct I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say this. Um, I, I, I honestly, I feel like a broken record here. Um, I, I am agreeing with hundred percent of everything Boomer just said. Um, I think that this schedule is ripe. I, I think the schedule is ripe for the picking. If this team truly is close, just like Boomer said, um, you know, this team will be bowl eligible by week eight at the latest. Um, that's, that's my plan. So that I'm saying, I'm saying seven to that's eight. Your plan. That's it. my plan. All right. That, that, that's my plan for this team. If I had to sit down and I looked at every single game, I would say that they are bowl eligible by week eight at the latest. I think they will be bowl eligible by week six, possibly week seven, depending on how the Oklahoma game goes. And then from there, I, I mean, for me, I honestly want to see at least nine or 10 wins this year. That's that for me is, is an attainable goal. When you look at the schedule and everything, the way things should be laying out are supposed to be laying out the improvements that they've made in a lot of the different positions. There's absolutely no excuse why nine or 10 shouldn't be a reasonable number. Yeah. Well, want is a, is a whole different thing than reality too. I mean, I want 12 and 0, and I'll predict 12 and 0. Of course I want 12. I do it every year. Um, At the end of the day, for me, at least what, success in the season looks like at the very core, the very minimum is that, uh, you know, anything that ends the season somewhere other than Iowa city, it just cannot end there, you know, in, in November to Dave's point, uh, any bowl game is a start, but uh, I, I have loftier goals than just going six and six. There's no doubt about that, but uh, you know, there's also no excuse. There is no more. We talked about how crazy historical last season was, and that doesn't 
happen again, or that's just not allowed again. We can't just go three and nine again, but play all these teams super close and have one score losses. At some point, you've got to get over the the hump. And I think some of the questions we're going to get to are are some of those uh, th- things that are going to factor into us getting over the hump. Uh, next question. This is also from coworker Eric. What one player or position group needs to step up the most for NU to have a good year? And uh, we'll go backwards here on this one. Rob, start with you. Um, well, a lot of people would would start off and and obviously say offense offensive line. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to take it one or maybe six steps further back and say the quarterback position is going to be the one that we're going to need to see um, to step up the most. Uh, I went back, I've been watching some of the last year's games um, and some of the problems that we were having on the offensive line sometimes had to do with um, the way the ball was or wasn't coming out of Adrian's hands in a sufficient amount of time, right? Like missing the receivers, overthrowing them, or maybe not even seeing the route when he should be seeing it and throwing to spots. Um, so I'm hoping with Whipple's offense this year, um, he is pretty pass heavy um, that, you know, that there's going to be a lot more timing routes. There's going to be a lot more, um, you know, maybe two second kind of pass plays. So the ball's coming out quick, which is automatically going to make the offensive line look better. Right. So, so Rob, Rob with the QBs. How about you, Boomer? Uh, I think this is one a lot of people have mentioned. Um, I don't think it's any big surprise. I, the O-line has to show that they've they've improved and gotten better. You know, you can have skilled players. You can have, you know, good quarterback play. You can draw up good schemes, but if you can't block for it, we've seen this last year, that just wreaks havoc, especially in a conference like the Big Ten where you see a lot of great line play, and that, that really dictates how – well, a lot of teams succeed, especially in the West, in the Big Ten. So they have to show improvements, and I think that's going to be one of the big question marks going into the season. It's an easy answer, but it's an obvious one for a reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I think 100% the Big Ten, it's all going to be about what's going on inside the trenches here. And uh, that leads to a question that we have from Jim in Minnesota. But before we get there, Boomer, you said we already have some uh, questions coming in from the, uh, the live line. Yeah, that we do. And while uh, day is reconnecting, it's a good time to take a look at those. Uh, you know, first off, uh, Generation Red. Tonight, it's just a caffeine-free Diet Coke. I just need to stay hydrated. So oh, uh, here, I, I I have a bootleg brewery from uh, Taylor, Nebraska, uh, Crowler, and it's a, their naked orange. So this is delicious. Good, very good. Okay. I'm drinking I'm back, Caliber I'm back. From, the, from, the, from the Brewers of Guinness. It's a non-alcoholic beer, but it's quite delicious. Very good. Awesome. And then, uh, let's see, uh, Abby Harris was asking, what are you most nervous about next season? Uh, let's uh, throw that to Hunky. Uh, no, Dave, since you're back. Worried about internet connections, or what are you worried about here, Dave? What am I most nervous about? Yeah. Hmm. Well, geez, man, I could go on a list forever. You have the entire show for me? I mean, <laughs> I, mean I think we could, we could lose to Northwestern. I mean, right? We've oh lost to Pat Fitzgerald many times before. We've also lost the teams that we've blown out the year before. Um, in the So I, I have um yeah um the offensive line is completely unproven um we've never had a running back step up to do anything to take pressure off the quarterback so i mean i, I could go a litany list of Dave, i think about, but I'll, I'll i'll keep it simple i would say that I'm, I'm nervous that this offensive staff does not gel fast enough and mm-hmm. we do not get enough wins early in the year that we ultimately don't get to six dave i think the momentum thing and you bring up the Northwestern game is huge because actually Abby, uh, we met her, Rob and I did 
uh, in Champaign, Illinois this year during the uh, during the week zero game. And that was a non-negotiable. You got to win that game. You can't lose that. We need to get, you know, momentum going, get three and oh, go down to Oklahoma. You know, if we can play them close, you know, hey, the season's going to go well. And that game just flipped everything. I mean, we've lost Mac. Mac is done <laughs> from that game. Yeah. But we, we lost we, a Redcaster. We guys. got a Rob. We did get a Rob. We lost a Mac. We got a Rob. So, you know, is that, is that really a fair trade off? <laughs> no. You got to take I mean, what you can get sometimes. I'm but, Rob, you know. and I don't even think that's a fair trade. But, but that, but that Illinois game, I mean, it defined the season, and it defined it before September first even came around. And so, the idea, the concept that we're going to be going down to to Ireland and imagine not coming home with a victory there. You know, we can talk about schedules all we want, but you got to win that game. And I'm sure, you know, Northwestern has 56 to seven reasons going on in their head for why they, yeah, they're going to want to be Fitz prepared there. Sit on that one. Yeah. So, so, so do you think if they lose that Northwestern game, do you think that Nebraska pulls a USC and just leaves Frost on the runway? <laughs> I don't know, but I know USC's former coach Clay Helton thinks that he can probably come in here and beat us. So I don't, I don't know if it really matters because every game is going to count. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Vegas, Jer said we're 200 days away from Ireland and uh, who's going to win the big 10 next year. And why will it be Nebraska? Uh, we appreciate the, uh, the optimism there, Vegas, Jer, but he did have another question about what do you think the future holds for Logan Smothers? Can we convert him to a hybrid, like how Luke could have been used? And Dave, I'm going to start with you here. I mean, I, I would not want to speculate on uh, moving Logan Smothers at all right now. I think he has every opportunity to compete in this QB room. Mm -hmm. um, he's the same class as Chubba Purdy. Um, from some services, he was a four-star. Wasn't as high as probably, probably Chubba. Probably doesn't have as uh, big of an arm, um, but um, I think he's already proven that he, he can he can play ball. He did relatively well versus Iowa. Sure, he didn't throw that much, but um, he's come a long way um, in a real, relatively short amount of time. So mm -hmm. I, I don't even want to speculate that we've moved Logan some others at this point. Yeah, I agree there. I think it's an honor and it's a credit to Logan's athleticism that that's even a, a question, right? That, mm -hmm. you know, sure. you wouldn't do that with some of the previous quarterbacks we've had in previous regimes where, you know, they were, they were a quarterback or bust. Obviously, uh, Logan does have a lot of talent, a lot of speed, a lot of skills, but uh, I I envision a, a legitimate five-person uh, quarterback competition in the spring. I mean, we know who's going to have the – the we know who's the front runner for it. And obviously, um, we know that the freshman, you know, coming in, he's coming off injury and all that. But, you know, between Purdy and Harburg and Smothers and Thompson, there's a lot of good players in there, and I want to see a good competition, and I want to see that go. It doesn't have to end in the spring. It can go through the summer, too. Um, that's a good group. That's a really good group. Well, I no, mentioned man, six, six, two, 250 pounds on Logan Smother. If we made him, if we put like 50 pounds on him, I mean, he'd make a good, <laughs> he'd make a good fullback. Dan Kendra, I think he was a quarterback that that transitioned to a, a fullback, if I remember right. That's, that's what's what, what, what's his meal plan like over there? You know, can well, we, can we just, I can you know? I can I can put thirty five pounds on anyone. I can give you a meal plan that will work, but <laughs> yeah, it's called beer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, hockey, actually, there's an even more recent example of quarterback to fullback. I believe oh, the Nebraska connection, John yeah, Stanton. Stanton. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cleveland has two of our fullbacks. Over there. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, well, an earlier question or that you respond to, Boomer, about how the offensive line 
uh, that was a concern to you. And, and for me, I would say offensive line, defense line, just in general, just it's in the trenches, right? It's the big 10. You got to win the trenches. And Jim in Minnesota had a question about, I just watched the Iowa game for the first time. He was at the game. Uh, how are we going to stop the run next year without Daniels and Stilly? Iowa ran all over us with basic QB handoff run game and just mauled our front seven. Uh, I'll start with you, Boomer. You brought up the offensive line is important, and it is. Defensive line-wise, what do we need to do? And and are, do you have concerns about that uh, as we get later into the season and depth and all that? I, you have to have some concerns about the defense, too, just for the all the experience we had that left. I mean, we had some super seniors that had been there since – I don't know. They might have been there since Callahan was here. It felt like some of them. So, you know, you do have concerns about experience and depth and hoping you can – you know, find someone, especially in the conference that we play in, you know, we looked at, you know, Minnesota had a huge offensive line was able to kind of control the line for some of that game. Granted, they're replacing some of their offensive line this year, which is a plus, but uh, yeah. And I think this is where you said getting that good start at Northwestern, giving this defensive line a chance to try to get experience and grow and win those early games and get some confidence and puts, you know, find what works on the D line, I think is what'll be again, the key to the season. Mm-hmm. If you come out and somehow Northwestern runs the ball all over us and they can run for, you know, 4.8 yards a game and you know, we lose in Ireland 17 to 13 or something like that, then yeah, the wheels could, could come off really early. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I, th- I think just getting kind of establishing that defense again, showing that we can lock some teams down kind of the way we did last season, just keeping that at that attitude and momentum going. So. Well, and Dave, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks is that, you know, as Jim mentions here, mauling our front seven, well, that front seven can look completely different just from an alignment standpoint. We could be in a three, four, we could be in a four, three. Uh, I hear when you, know, you come out in weird fronts that kind of confuses coaches. <laughs> <laughs> especially early. turmoil, really. Yeah. Especially early on. Um, you know, D-line wise, we have Ty uh, Robinson, Casey Rogers. We have the polar bear, Messiah Newsom, and then some of the uh, the freshmen, the redshirt freshmen, Weaver and Buckley and Black. Uh, you know, there's some numbers there. And some of these guys, they, they need to get developed over the course of the, the winter conditioning and then in the spring ball, too. Um, I don't think every answer is just jump into the, the transfer portal always. And hopefully a couple of these guys can, um, you know, hopefully some of these guys can just elevate themselves up the uh, depth chart that way too, through development, the linebacking core. I mean, we're returning Henrik and, and uh, Reimer and Kolarevich. And then you've got Tiva Malga Clements, you've got Snodgrass. And then some of the, the young guys that are coming up here, Gunderson, we started to see him at the very end of last season and then Kapai and Hausman, Hausman from uh, our neck of the woods, Columbus. Uh, that's already there right now in, uh, in spring ball. You know, the numbers aren't terrible. I, I don't I don't hate the depth we have there, but I think to Jim's point, I mean, it's got to be able to stand up too. And Iowa was at the end of that season, their offensive line, they had, you know, an all-American center and they were mauling, mauling teams. And they will again next year too, I'm sure. We're going to have to be able to, to stand up to it. It's simple as that. Boomer, you said there's some more questions from YouTube. Yeah, we've got quite a few here going again. Uh, first off, uh, one from a good friend of the show, Richard Fitzwell. Uh, we'll direct this to uh, Redcast Rob. And who or what will finally generate a pass for us this year since we're sticking with the defensive side of things? Oh, um, of course, he asked, he asked me the one hard question that I'm not really prepared for at this point. Um, right, Rob, sure. <laughs> well, Rob, I would – I mean, Caleb Tanner and, and Payne and those outside linebackers who are basically you get them in a four three and you get their hand in the turf 
that's looking a lot like a Dwayne Harris, Dante Jones, Trev Alberts kind of, you know, group out there. They're a little bit more undersized, but I mean, that's, that's how you get some pressure, I think. Yeah. And I was, and I was just trying to like, look at some of these numbers from last year because Jim in Minnesota was talking about how Iowa mauled our, our line. And, and that was just one team, but overall, you well, know, Wisconsin our, ran our, pretty good to us at the end there. Yeah. But I mean, overall, our, our defense was pretty solid when it came to, you know, stopping the run in a lot of games. I mean, didn't we shut down Michigan's run? Yeah, but Rob, well part, and... part of Jim's question was that by the time we played Iowa, we didn't have oh, by the time. Yeah, we didn't have Daniels. Yeah. We didn't have Steely. We also didn't have Noman. Yeah. So those games, like you talked about, what we did to Walker against Michigan State, I mean, nobody did to him, right? So yeah, yeah. those are like, those are like in, I mean, that's like an in-season thing where you've got, where, where it kind of like throws off the rhythm of everything that's already going on, right? Where you know, now they have like the whole off season to continue to develop the uh, the defensive line and work on the scheme. And it's, they're bringing back pretty much the same defensive scheme as they had last year. Right. So all these guys are a year older, a year stronger. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, it's not that I disagree with, with Jim about like those particular instances, but I think that in the long run, if they just continue kind of on the path that they were on to start the season last year in a lot of, in a lot of ways that, I mean, I think they're going to be okay, but I, mean, if I, I can jump into here really quick, Conk. I mean, I think overall the depth isn't bad per se. I, I I think it's young and inexperienced, so that's why I would expect them to add a transfer portal um, D tackle of some sort um, um, after spring ball. Mm-hmm. I I just feel like especially losing Jordan Riley, who I I mean I I didn't expect the world from from Jordan Riley, but I think he could have been a pretty significant contributor of just taking some of those snaps. Um, and so I, I, I think they're just going to have to bring in at least one hits. Right. And so, I mean, I, I am, I am concerned with that because. I mean, didn't they, I mean, they held them to what, like four yards or something like that at carry last year, they held their, their opponents like on average over the course of the entire season, um, hundred under 150 yards of rushing per game, which in college in any standpoint, that's not a horrible number right there. So mm. I just personally, I'm, I, you know, when I, when I look at that, my, my least concern about this team this year is, is the defense just because I feel like, you know, the Chenander's really got something going there, building that up. I feel like they're going to have a little bit more consistency going back to Dave where, you know, his biggest concern is the offense and whether or not they're going to click to start. Right. Like Mm. I'm not, the only way I see the defense breaking down at this point is that if they're on the field a lot more because the offense can't get going, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, Daniels is the kind of the one differentiator in all this. And it's the reason I bring up four, three versus three, four. I don't know that we just have a replacement for Daniels. In fact, to run that three, four, you really need that, that nose tackle. You need that guy right in the middle. And that's going to take up a lot of space. And I mean, I, I love the polar bear and I love Robinson. I love Rogers. We've got some talented guys, but they may not be as suited necessarily for that. And if you don't have that guy, then starting to run a four, three, maybe makes more sense. You're putting two of those guys in the middle and now your DNs look a lot different. And that's where we're talking about uh, Caleb Tanner. We're talking about pain and we're talking about Garrett Nelson out there and you're trying to get some pressure from the outside with those guys and they're, they're smaller, they're quicker. Um, and then you have to be stout up the middle still, right? Now you've removed 
one of the linemen, but you have two more in the, in the middle, kind of in between the guards. So, uh, I mean, I guess in a way it's kind of like the transition Nebraska would have gone through back in the, the early nineties, going from a five, two, which is a three, four, five, two, and then switch into the four, three, you know, if you feel like you can still stand up against the run, the four, three gives you a lot of other options too. I love me personally. I'm a four, three guy. I would love us to be running that, uh, exclusively, but you know, clearly Shenander's, you know, also a three, four dude. You know, and and like you brought up the polar bear, I'm laughing because nobody's running through that kid. Um, you know, no. he is a he's a big human being. Um, and he's not a bad pass rusher. And, and he's, it not, gets, he's not it a bad pass. He's not just a nose tackle, he's a big dude. Well, that's and he where put- that's where I noticed him in the spring game last year. Um, when when we were watching that, remember, like he was getting through. Um, mm-hmm. like that he was getting through the number one offensive line guys, which I, okay, yeah. I'll make the joke. Okay. Yeah. Well, who, who couldn't. Right. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, point being is that, um, at one point, I think last year we were talking about pain or maybe after the season with him being kind of like that hybrid defensive guy. Right. And, you know, um, almost like I was calling him like the Khalil Mack of this team, right? With then he goes in the transfer portal, but then he turns around and comes right back. Mm. And and you know, I still kind of see that potential for that kid. He's kind of got that build, that body, um, to you know, really be a guy that you maybe, you know, come in off the edge and and you know, linebacker slash, you know, defensive end like Khalil Mack is, right? So I mean, I don't know. I I I Again, I love good defense, man. Oh, man. Well, hey, so Red, I, I'm excited about it. I, I'll tell I you this. Redcasters, we asked the question to the Redcasters last week on a poll, and we said that in you filled a number of its needs, special teams, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, uh, defensive back, what position group still has you most concerned heading into spring ball? And I think, Boomer, this is very consistent with what we just said. 70% said offensive line, 28% said D-line. 1% linebackers and 1% others. So I think it's a, it's a combination of things. It's a combination of, yeah, we have some youth in some some cases, and you're replacing some guys. Jurgens leaves early on the O-line. You're also replacing a coach on the offensive side, Rayola. But then it's also it's just it also goes along with the conference that we're in and that the importance of having, you know, dominant players and dominant play in the trenches is just important in the Big Ten. So – you know, I think that's always going to be a, an area of concern or need for us. Even when we have a bunch of guys returning, you, you still, you got to be good every year in the trenches or you're going to, you're going to pay for it. Well, um, that kind of, that kind of leads us into one of the other questions, right? Honky that the Husk guys sent us on there sure. about um, like how excited we are and how they're just on um, for the quarterback running back wide receiver position and how every time they ask that question, the Husk guys again on Twitter, great, great mm-hmm. follow. Um, you know, people say it doesn't matter if they have an O-line, which has kind of become a, a Twitter joke out there, right? Where like our friend Abby will make jokes about like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if they don't have an O-line. I mean, somebody could be like, what's the best pizza in, in Nebraska? And somebody would be like, doesn't matter if they don't have an O-line. <laughs> so, you know, and, and you know, and, and it's, it makes me smile. But again, you know, new offensive line coach, they have a lot of transfers coming in. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of these kids that we haven't seen yet. So it's, you know, it's a good question. You know, I mean, if if it is a great question. Yeah. I mean, they specifically say that, you know, anytime that they talk about the incoming talent at quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and we have four-star talent and big time transfers coming in anytime they, they even dare say something positive that way, then, you know, everyone destroys them with that. 
it doesn't matter if we don't have an O-line, but the reality is, or the other, the other narrative is that the O-line hasn't been addressed. We've done nothing with the O-line. And look, you can argue whether or not the players are good or, or, or if you approve of the, the, the talent on the roster. I don't care. I mean, to each their own with that. But don't give me any shit that we haven't done anything. We've changed the coach, number one. I mean, that's a start. We have two transfers right now that have starting experience, one at the FCS level, your neck of the woods there, Rob, in northern Colorado. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Williams, Williams, man. Yeah, I'm, Kevin I, Williams, man. Again, an Omaha North guy back into the fold here. He's a beast, starts. and he's local, right? Yeah. Like, Isn't that like a combination of everything that we ever want for any player coming that's, out of Nebraska? Right? That's one, Play right? Hunter yeah. Anthony, five starts down there with Oklahoma State, just played in a bowl game when they beat Notre Dame. Uh, so there's two guys that bring some starting experience with them. We have eight other returners that have some kind of starting experience, you know, but I mean, look, Hicks and Piper, Bando, Nuli, Miller, Benhart, Lutowski. And that's not talking about Corcoran, not talking about Prochaska. Those two are going to be sitting out spring with um, injuries. Now I'm more concerned about Corcoran than Prochaska sitting out only for no other reason than uh, there's more likely than not, Turner's going to be switching some kind of position. I'm just guessing there. I think that we're going to have Prochaska playing left tackle. He's got to come back healthy. But, um, you know, you hate to see injuries, period, and hopefully they they can get all the mental reps they need and they can do all the things they need right now in winter conditioning. I mean, I've seen video of, of uh, Prochaska, you know, throwing the heavy balls all over the place, and he looks like he's, you know, getting healthy and getting better there. So, um but a lot of it, too, is I'm really interested to see what Rayola does with the offense and how he's going to coach this. And Frost has said it on multiple occasions that he's really excited to see the, the style of blocking and some of the, I don't know if it's new age or whatever, but just it's a different style. I'm, I'm guessing more away from some of the, the zone blocking, maybe some more into some gap or man blocking, a little more aggressive schemes. And, uh, you know, I think that's a, something that's going to be a positive change there. But Husk guys, you're not wrong there. I mean, you know, I, we see the same thing. We write something like that, and then we get a bunch of people crapping us that, you know, it's all about the O-line and we got to do something with the O-line. Well, I mean, cripe's sakes, they've been, you know, Rail has been here for three months. I think they've done something. And they'll probably – the transfer portal doesn't close tomorrow, so there always could be more people too. I just – I hesitate with the transfer portal, especially now that we're already into the spring. It really seems hard for me to think that we're going to – hit the transfer portal hard in May and get a lot of guys that are going to be immediate contributors. I mean, we've seen that every other year. And Rob, we've talked about it at nauseum. Now the Omar Mannings and Dedrick Mills last year was Tariq Johnson that, you know, we get somebody in June and, Oh, he's a five-star. He's a four-star. He's going to be a starter. If you haven't gone through the off season, if you haven't gone through the spring, it's just, I, I think that's, it's a challenge there, but boomer uh, what else we got? Yeah, we've got some more here. Well, we're waiting to see if Dave's been kidnapped or what happens here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, seeing uh, something we, that he, he said his internet, uh, he's hoping to get back on. So this is what we call uh, live uh, challenges. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, technical difficulties is there I think go. what they say in the in the professional business here. Mm-hmm. But uh, all right, uh, this one from uh, Eric Songson. Honky, this is right up your alley. Uh, is the Redcast getting into the NFT game? The NFT like the well, name? Your net fungible tokens. You're, you're a big oh my God. guy, <laughs> right? Is that... No. Okay. No. Yeah. Maybe we'll skip that one for tonight. We'll no, my my, my, my theory that. is a man. Uh, NFT stands for a man in his money are or a fool in his money are soon parted or what? How's that saying? Go? I don't. 
Yeah, I don't know. Just, just I, don't be I, the last guy holding the NFT. I think is the key. That's what boomer. I, that. I am wearing but, a yeah. I am wearing a Hill Varsity shirt, and uh, they are part of our parent company, uh, Herdet. And this is the seventy-two yards of Johnny Rogers uh, punt return. Wore uh, this down to Oklahoma last year, so that was that was a good time. Good. Yeah. Well, another question here. Probably a little more quasi real question for you, Honky, uh, from mm-hmm. listener DLS. Uh, what Big Ten team that we face this year do you think could cause an upset facing us? Uh, I guess you have to ask a few questions on that. But uh, yeah, what what are your thoughts there? Every uh, single one. <laughs> I, I guess mean, which one would be an upset is the first thing. You I guess the ask. team I mean, that we would just, be favorites against going the, into the season. I would imagine we're going to be favorites against the team that we beat fifty six to seven. And so just right off the bat, it goes back to the momentum thing. It's really important. I, I'm all for going 6-0 and and starting 6-0, and Rob. I'm, I'm all for going 12-0. and I'm 12-0 and guy. It's really important that we go 1-0. and And Northwestern is – I mean, we've had our challenges with them in the past, no doubt. Um, they would be one of those teams I think we would consider that – that's a team that we should be beating more times than not. We consider ourselves certainly at a level above that, but – Historically, that hasn't been the case. Talent-wise, we should be more talented than them. Just if you go off nothing less, less than uh, recruiting classes. And yet Fitzgerald, typically, he, he gets that team ready and they've you know given us everything they've had. And so, and it's already going to be a weird game. It's going to be week zero and it's going to be halfway across the, the globe. So, yeah, no chances for anything weird happening, right? Well, and and the one game, too, that I should warn everybody about is that I will be in Piscataway, New Jersey for the game against Rutgers. Um, And I have a very poor record in attending games, but my sister lives out there. So I will be visiting her and going to the game with my family, bringing my son out to his first Husker game. Um, So, you know, if I don't bring him out to Lincoln for the Oklahoma game first, but um, so yeah, really, so Betcast prediction is put it I, all on Rutgers. Is that what you're saying now? I put it all on Rutgers. Yeah, bet the house on Rutgers because I'll be in attendance there. And so I apologize in advance. Uh, it's not till October 8th, but we have another nine months to prepare for this loss. Wait, do we have do we have a fourth Redcaster back? Oh, hey. Oh, wait. Well, he's got to get his earphones on. Yes. We're getting there. All right. I see progress. <laughs> Just for, Dave, the, Dave, for the Dave, record, Dave, we have the magic have, of television. He's back. We have better Rock internet is, in Nebraska yeah. and Greeley, Colorado. I, I think than maybe we do in my tenth Zoom call of the day is just maybe they're like, you know, that's that's enough for you, Dave. Maybe you Dave, should come you know back anybody in, in like Denver City infrastructure that might be able to work on this whole internet thing out there? You know, they have it on computers. Uh, yeah, actually, I don't know if it was the internet or it was just. I think my computer was done with it. They're like, dude, why why are you on Zoom for twelve hours straight? You should stop this. Hmm. And I do have one more uh, uh, question currently. Since Dave just got back, let's throw it to him from uh, Generation Red Live. It kind of goes back to some offensive questions. Dave, do you see Whipple's offense featuring called quarterback runs? Um, I, I see Nebraska's offense next year having some quarterback runs. I think what we'll see is a hybrid between a Whipple offense and a Frost offense. Probably, you know, maybe a majority of – of Whipple, but I think, you know, some QB run is going to be incorporated in there. Um, not nearly as, as much as last year, hopefully, um, or years before, but I think it will be there. Yeah. Well, you know, I watched uh, the, uh, the pit game last year against Tennessee and they had, uh, you know, they actually had a couple of QB runs with Pickett and 
He is not a runner at all. But um, they ended up with a slightly over 50-50 run-pass ratio. I think they ran like three or four more times than they they passed. They were primarily, though, it felt like watching the game. It was a passing game. Now, this is on the road at Tennessee, yeah, an SEC environment. Um, Pickett, I mean, he just – he's nowhere as mobile as what we're going to have. Now, what did stick with me from a running game standpoint – was at the end of the game, they needed to run the ball and run the clock. And they did three straight runs, and they got first downs. They they got the yards when they needed it in crunch time at the end. And we keep talking about how close we've been in games. You just got to be able to finish off games. Tennessee was able to do it, and they were able to do it, uh, you know, running the football. So I think that's a that's a that's hopefully a good sign that uh, Whipple was doing that over there. And there's going to be more emphasis on it here, I hope, than what they were doing in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that, that game sure felt more like they were using the run to set up the pass and using the pass to set up the run, that's for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, but Pickett did have like 45 yards rushing in that game or something, I think, if I if I remember. I, I had it up there on YouTube one time mm-hmm. watching through it. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that along with what Dave is saying is that it should be a hybrid unless Northwestern lines up in a weird front, you know, and Frost decides to take the – uh offensive play calling away from Whipple. Whipple's seen it all, Rob. No worries. I mean, again, there's 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 nothing at this point that would surprise me with this team. So in 1956, somebody threw that at Whipple and he knew how to react right there. I mean, you just you just go back in time and and I remember hearing all those stories, Osborne with you know Tenniper and Solich and all those guys, they would just they could go back to a game 30 years ago or whatever that uh you know this this one play happened and they could they could adjust on the fly. That's uh, hopefully what we're getting a little bit of here with Whipple. Sounds like half the dudes I play golf with, like talking about like their third shot on the fourth hole and, you know, like after the round's over and I'm going, I, I had six beers. I don't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, here, uh, let's move on to, I have Chaz and SoCal, another Redcast favorite. And he gave us three, a couple of really good questions here. Three good ones here. Dave, I'll start with you. What comes first, fixing expecting to lose mindset before winning close games or winning close games to fix the mindset? Kind of the chicken and the egg. What is it? What needs to happen? Do we need do we need to fix that mindset first or do you have to just win a game, prove it to yourself before uh, you fixed it? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I think Frost is, you know, had hoped that there'd just be a breakthrough. Inevitably, you think there is a breakthrough at some point and everything's fine, um, but it never happened, right? So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that I, – I think you got to get that win in there somehow. Yeah, and, uh, you know, part of getting that win is doing these little things that get you over the hump. I mentioned Pitt running the ball three straight times to get a first down to run the clock out against Tennessee. You have to convert. And how many times last year? And it was just a combination of things. Maybe it's a penalty. Maybe it's a a fumble at the end of a a game against Michigan. You know, whatever it is, there was always one thing that, and it was different players. I, I never would put it on one guy, but it was different players that, you know, one guy makes that mistake and we can't close out a game. At some point, the team has to find the confidence in itself and, some of this is bringing in a bunch of dudes that aren't necessarily feeling that lack of confidence. We've got enough guys, Casey Thompson. I don't think he's sitting there, you know, worried about nine 
single digit losses from a year ago. He wasn't a part of that. So, you know, you do get an influx of new guys in here that can bring some new confidence to Rob. I was, I was just going to say pretty much the exact same thing is that there are enough new guys on this roster that will be starters this year that haven't been here for that part of the quote unquote culture, right. Where it's almost close. So I think to answer Chaz's question to keep it on topic, I think uh, winning close games will, will, set the mindset as opposed to fixing it because you can't fix something that's not broken in a bunch of guys that are coming in this year as transfers or, you know, uh, new, new guys on the roster. Right. So mm-hmm. to, to that point, I mean, I, I it, it's hard again, you've got a whole new offensive staff. You're going to have a whole bunch of guys out there playing. You got a brand new quarterback, which is, you know, that's the guy that has the bonus hand the most on the field that hasn't been here for that close loss you know, situations. So um, I just, I am hoping that at least the staff with these kids is able to just from the beginning instill a winning mentality. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that would be the, that would be the the key to all of this. Well, the next question from Chaz, and this is easy. He, he wants the top three reasons for optimism, the top three causes of concern. There's three of you. So I'm just going to go around here. And uh, give me your biggest reason for optimism, your bi- biggest reason for concern. And Boomer, we haven't heard from you for a while, so go for it. Uh, biggest reason for optimism. Boy, it's a tough one. Um, I would have to say, I, I think the you've, there's been changes made that can be positive. You've got you know, where we struggled at last year, they did try to address it with some coaching staff changes. They brought in experience where they didn't have it before. They may have kind of shaken the boat a little bit, you know, Frost said he had to, you know, fire friends and he did. And that may have been part of the problem. So maybe he brought in some people that are going to shake things up and help us get that breakthrough that they've been asking for. You know, we talked about, you know, Hunky mentioned you got a gray hair. You wanted somebody with gray hairs there to kind of steer this ship a little bit and Whipple brings that and you've still got some younger players you got guys like Mickey Joseph who can breathe some excitement into the to the whole recruiting end of it and get some you know good offseason momentum kind of building and keep that culture going in the team so I think that's a good cause for optimism and that's also probably my biggest cause for concern too you know we've hit on this a couple of podcasts in a row now it's can this gel you're bringing a whole bunch of disparate parts together you know different coaches from a whole bunch of different staffs you're throwing that in with a whole bunch of transfer portal players that we're expecting to contribute in some capacity or another, probably in pretty important roles right away. So you've got a lot of moving pieces that have to try to fit together and in a hurry, you know, you said hockey yourself, that first game is key. And if it doesn't gel well in that first game, you know, Northwestern's proven many times they can beat us in any scenario. And that can, that sets the tone for an entire season, you know, so that's probably my biggest cause for concern too. It's just, that's a new staff optimism, new staff concerns. So mm-hmm. one and the Rob, same. Let's go with that. How about you, Rob? Uh, my biggest uh, reason for optimism is that the the new staff coming in, these guys are all winners. They're all proven winners, right? Um, I heard on another podcast today with Priscilla Joseph, her talking about how uh, she is her husband's good luck charm because he has never had a losing record since he's been coaching with in the time that he's been with her I think it's like 13 seasons or something like that um and so you know you've got all these guys that have a proven track record of winning coming into the room which then turns into my biggest 
thing for concern is that are you going to have too many egos in one place at one time and how is that going to mesh mm-hmm. so i think you know it's kind of the the double-edged sword so to mm-hmm. speak on that yeah well i think the uh, the podcast you're talking about too our our friend richard fitzwell who was with us a couple of weeks ago uh he is now on a new one the church of the corn podcast uh give them a download give them a listen and, and follow them on on Twitter as well. They just had their first episode and they had Priscilla Joseph on it. So I think that's probably the, uh, the interview you're referring to there. That is absolutely the interview. I just, yeah. And it was, it was good. I, it, I listened mm-hmm. to it while I was working oh. today. Um, really good. Richard needs to sit closer to his mic, but other than that, you know, <laughs> you've never yeah. had that problem before, Rob. I've never had that problem, which is why I actually lock my seat in now to sit up straight as opposed to rocking back and forth. But, you know, when we hired Frost, we had like a long runway, right? That was the uh, that was the contract. The Redcast has had a long runway. It took us like six years or whatever to finally get like, you know, a, a guest on. And right away, those guys just go right into to having uh, Joseph's wife. On. <laughs> I think but- we like ourselves too much. Honky. That's the thing. <laughs> like everybody else is like, oh, we need to bring somebody else in. We're like, you know what? We're, we're amazing. We're brilliant football conversationalists. Why do we need to have someone else on the show? We are this so football selfish. team could have half the confidence that we do as podcasters. That's... They will be successful. We are true. So no selfish. one score losses in this podcast. No, no that's no, right. No, no. No. Can I answer well, the question, Hockey? Yeah, Dave, your, your turn. Yeah, uh, my my reason for optimism is it can't get any worse. <laughs> oh no no <laughs> no that. i mean like just like i mean the, it's the metrics oh, of it right as in like it was a, an anomaly last year and that shouldn't happen again so yeah. even if the same team trotted out there this year with an easier schedule we should get to six ones right i mean hmm. that that's something that it just there's this the odds of it happening again last year like last year's is crazy um i mean i've already mentioned i have multiple potential concerns but one of them actually is um is mark whipple uh you know um you know i mean you look at his his coaching resume and it's really really interesting you know i mean he he starts at i think brown who just is alma mater and then he ultimately has a lot of success at umass as a as an fcs school i believe at the time winning a national championship there i think mm-hmm. and he segues that to the pittsburgh steelers QB coach so he makes a jump to the NFL and he's with with Big Ben and they win a Super Bowl it feels like you would be able to leverage that into an offensive coordinator position of some sort probably uh, but he he didn't I don't know why um, I don't know if anybody's ever asked that question he took a, a year off actually and then came back and coached for the Eagles and then he was the OC for the Miami Hurricanes and had okay offenses for Al Golden I think and and he went back to the NFL, and then he recycles the UMass. Does okay at UMass from an offensive production standpoint, but didn't win a lot of games. Um, and then, you know, when he's at Pittsburgh, he's there for three years, and his first two years are pretty middling. And it's only year three with with Kenny Pickett as his third year under, you know, with Whipple, who really just blows up and changes the offense production numbers entirely. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're really counting on that Whipple's learned a lot. And it's not just Kenny Pickett that made last year home. It was it was Mark Whipple who, who really drove that bus. And I don't know if that's the truth or not. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping Mark Whipple is amazing. But I, I, there's not a lot of proof in his resume that he's a, a surefire winner. 
Mm. Well, if anyone out there in Hergatland then has any like way for us to actually get to talk to Whipple, it sounds like Dave wants to do an interview. <laughs> no, I don't. Mark I, Whipple, I like to do a fan and podcast. He wants to. He wants like to. to he wants way. to ask. He wants to ask uh, Mr. Whipple all these questions. You know, Coach Whipple, and and get some answers now. I, so. I don't think that's the case, Rob. I think what Dave is saying is Whipple could call us and say, "I want to be on the Redcast," and Dave would turn him down. Yeah, Dave <laughs> would be. Well, yeah, Dave, Dave would, would be accidentally like, have internet trouble again, and his security <laughs> call came in. No, I'm really. I'm, I am. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping Ripple's amazing, and I do think he's got a tons of experience. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but I mean to say that he, he has had a you know a, a typical career where he just was always trajecting up, or he decided he's just like, hey, I just want to be an OC. I don't want to be a head coach. I don't know what his his career goals were or anything like that. But he mm-hmm. seems like he had some some left turns there here and there, and and um, you know I hope this is a the right turn for him, and he has an amazing run here, but. Mm-hmm. And Dave, I, I will say you can pinpoint in the uh, YouTube chat exactly when you said it can't get worse because their comments <laughs> suddenly became no, OMG, no, and two wins is all we get now. So, all right. Yeah, Ty Willingham, <laughs> Ty Willingham at Washington is, you know, yeah, calling. Nebraska right ball, you know, things like oh, that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I'll answer the question too here, but my answer is easy because it's the same answer for both. And my biggest reason for optimism, my biggest reason for concern is the transfer portal. Um, it's incredibly optimistic to get the players that we brought in. We've gotten guys from, you know, Oklahoma state and Arizona state and Texas and Florida state and a couple other, you know, a couple other teams too, I'm sure along the way. And, and FCS guys that have been previous all Americans. I mean, the transfer portal, you can make the argument that's been very good to us and that should make you very optimistic. And, there's another article that I read and it was McEwen in the world Herald. And it was talking about Iowa. Now Iowa is an outlier in that they really haven't hit the transfer portal at all. They haven't had much of a need. They haven't lost many players to it. And we can laugh and joke about Iowa all we want, but if you're not losing a lot of players and you're not having to go to the, to the portal and, and it shows some stability. I mean, they've had two coaches since 1979. That's one piece of stability. And, you know, it, it also shows probably actually a good culture within the program. And when you're not changing coaches out constantly, when you're not changing players out constantly, you don't need to go to a portal and you can just kind of keep being consistent there. Now, now I'm going to put my Husker hat back on and say, screw Iowa, um, you know, and, and, and I want the stability of Iowa, but I want the, the top notch talent that we can get out of the, the portal to go through it to go along with it because that's what Iowa doesn't have. That's what's not allowing Iowa to get over the hump. That's why Iowa loses, you know, 41 to three to Michigan, right? They can't get over the hump. Nebraska needs the stability of Iowa to begin with. And if we have that, then we need that that, you know, some of those two, three, four real difference maker players, which, you know, who knows? I mean, we bring in Palmer from LSU. That's another another school I forgot, you know, an LSU guy that's a five-star, former five-star guy, and all these four-star quarterbacks. I mean, there's no lack of recruiting accolades. Um, but it, to everything you guys said, it has to meld, right? And it has to meld with Whipple working with Joseph and and Rayola and and we've got what is our offense going to be and getting terminology down, all those things have to happen. Uh, last question from Chaz and SoCal with offensive staff and player changes, which guys are more likely to benefit and which ones are more likely to hit that transfer portal for lack of fit or playing time. In other words, the biggest offseason winners and losers. Does anyone want to take this? I mean, I could assign it, but does somebody have a, a, a you know, a answer just ready to go? Um, well, I think as far as winners go, I, 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 th- I think what we're going to see, um, 
I think the receiving core and our tight ends will probably be winners in this, just yep. based on what we know of Whipple. You know, he like he does like to pass. And then I think of just some of the things I've seen with uh, some of our players who have, you know, left the team and gone pro this year, like Austin Allen and uh, Samari Touré. I've seen some, you know, their workouts on Twitter where they're, you know, catching passes that are thrown at him and touchdowns. And I, I wish I remembered whose tweet it was, but they were talking the other day about Touré had this nice route in an end zone and he caught a touchdown pass. And he was, and the tweet was, you know, it'd be neat if we could see something like that here. Oh, I think, oh uh, the guy yeah. from the athletic. Uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Oh, who? Mitch Sherman. I, Mitch I, Sherman. I there you go. Yeah, Mitch Sherman. That was it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think you have a great opportunity to see that sort of stuff here. Um, you know, Pitt was productive in the red zone last year. They're one of the better teams in that. And that's something we certainly always need help with. Um, I think you're going to see more opportunity for those receivers to catch touchdowns, for tight ends to catch touchdowns. I mean, I look back at last season and how many touchdowns did Austin Allen have? Like four, two. Yeah. Two, four. He had two last year. Two was it? I mean, that's, that's but Minnesota and Michigan. Is that it? it? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, that's just nuts. So I mean, wow. We had an NFL tight end, and he caught two touchdowns the entire entire season. So I think there's going to be a great opportunity for those guys to really step mm-hmm. up their game and you know really contribute points wise and contribute to their development, their growth to the next level. That's so. a, you know, Boomer. That's a great point. I mean, you think about it. If you were a bets or no more Manning or really any of the receivers are coming back. But if you're one of those guys, you now have an offensive coordinator who just coached the Blitnikoff award winner. And you have a receivers coach who at LSU, you know, had Jefferson and chase two of the top two or three receivers probably in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah, you're right. I mean, just from uh, the excitement that has to be going on in that room. Now that room has grown to where there's like 82 of them. So that's well, yes. you know, the competition, I guess, will be fierce. There's plenty of them. But uh, well, yeah, that's... two of those guys aren't even on campus yet. Like they won't they won't be on campus. And so we, we've had that discussion, Honky. They they aren't even part of the, you know. Well, you're talking about like Bonner, the, the, who was just I think recruiting. Bonner and, and the coldest and Crawford. I think both of those guys aren't on campus yet. Right. Like, I don't think. Yeah. Even, even without those guys, though, Rob, there's still a lot of depth. There is. There is. Waiting but... for Alante Brown and Will Nixon you know, to break out birdie belt still there. I mean, there's, there's plenty of depth um, in the wide receiver room, even without adding the true freshman. Well, I, and and I, don't, dis- I don't disagree with that, but those are also kind of two guys that I would think are probably eventually going to get a lot of time on the field, but I don't think they're they also see it not this year, in, but I don't think they see it this year. Again, I'm going with my whole um, Omar Manning, you know, mishap, I'll call it, where I thought he was going to come on and be like the guy to make the biggest impact the first year. He wasn't on campus for the spring game. He was, you know, he didn't get there till late and he barely saw any playing time his first year, right? Like he didn't mm-hmm. even get on the field, I think, during the COVID year. Um, so that's kind of how I'm viewing it too, um, Dave. I, I'm not sure. I think it was maybe on a show that that you missed where it was just Honky and I, I think, and we were talking about those those guys specifically and and I and I think I said like yeah they're not on campus for the spring game they're dead to me until they until uh, <laughs> you know the next season so um, I'm just sticking with that whole theory and theme in my head for that so All right. well I know why Boomer answered uh, because he took the easy way out he took who's the winners who wants to take who's the losers out of all these changes I'll I'll say um, at least a couple of the running backs will probably transfer mm-hmm. um, at some point here. Um, whether it's right after spring ball or um, I don't know, August or whatever. So I definitely think that you're going to have, um, if not one, uh, 
maybe two or three other running backs transfer out at some point. Yeah, I mean, right now you've you got to feel pretty good if you're Grant, the junior college transfer, and obviously yeah, Allen as well. You, those guys coming in, you, you got to feel pretty good about. Um, I don't know. I mean, those are – and I'm just trying to think of the style of backs and what they brought in. I mean, those guys, A.J. Allen and and uh, Johnson also from Minnesota, I saw him returning some kicks. And, and I mean, there's some serious speed that those guys bring. And, and, and then Grant, too. I mean, Grant has been doing it, obviously, at the, at the junior college level. Those are some explosive runners. So, and again, uh, you know, Grant's already here. So, I, I think that he's going to factor in – I'd be shocked if he wasn't in that top two or three easily by the end of the spring. If your name rhymes with ant, you're probably going to see a lot of carries this year between Grant and the ant. That's an interesting, you know, I mean, I was, I mean, uh, you know, Damon Benning is really high on AJ Allen. I don't know if you guys have listened to his Mm -hmm. show recently, but not so much on Anthony Grant. He, he, he's, he's struggling with thinking and how, how Grant fits in. So, I mean, I, I haven't really seen tape on either one of the guys. So, but um, just... Grant Grant was a guy that I think one of the coaches, like right, the running backs coach, um, was brought Apple in, White? and this yeah Applewhite and and Grant was a kid that he's been like no that, that's AJ Allen it, was it AJ Allen that he's been fought, bringing with him that he brought okay because yeah, I saw an article you. I saw an article today that just said that one of these kids was was uh you know basically kind of attached at the hip as far as recruiting goes all along and he had like a couple different stops along the way and now he's coming to nebraska and this is where he's going to break out mm-hmm. i don't know why i thought that was grant so well boomer do you have any more questions football wise from the youtube or we have one more that i can go to but i i want to give the youtube people that have been listening along so uh loyally thank you guys uh i want to give them a chance uh, no, I think we're pretty well up to date. They've kind of been going off on a, a nice major league rant there, um, <laughs> you know, thinking ways to break the curse of uh, Nebraska football, but that's good. So, that's right. That's and uh, exactly. Generation Red Life says his reason for optimism is uh, Frost won't be calling plays, maybe. So, yeah, well, that remains to be seen. So, I guess we'll find out. So. Hey, well, I know, mean, I, hopefully, honky, Whipple's a, calling them. <laughs> I got a question for you that one on hockey, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been wrestling with this, like, you know, oh, thank goodness. Scott process isn't calling plays any longer type um, thought process for, I mean, sometimes this year, last year, um, you know, he was a very good play caller, definitely a good play designer, especially, you know, um, you know, if it's not in crunch time, not, not in the fourth quarter. I mean, he, he had a lot of plays that busted out and had a lot of big gains. It, most of those were in the, um, passing game though um outside of uh xavier Betts and the kind of jet sweep type things i suppose most of the the big plays were were pass plays what would you think would it take to get um some some play design and, and the right play calling to get some big plays you know busted you know on the ground right i mean is it something something where you just need to call more to, and wear down a defense so someone finally busts one or it just seems like you know you know Frost is a big play type guy, but it's mostly through the air. Yeah, I'm all about personnel and putting in different personnel groupings. I mean, you can get double tights out there. You can get two backs on the field at times, you know, and there are opportunities to do things just through the personnel that you have on the on the field that, that can change some of that. You know, the QB can be a part of it. Um, we don't want it to be too big of a part of it as we've seen the last, you know, three, four years. In fact, Martinez today, he was, or I saw an interview with him 
at, at K-State, and it's just weird to see him sitting in a press conference at K-State, but he talked about his legs and how, you know, he can be a runner, but he, he goes, I hope I don't run as much as I was running at the, my previous place. Um, but the QB can be a part of it. Some of our biggest plays last year that were on the ground were out of the option. Um, we didn't see as much option as, as I would like to see. Uh, that's a way to get a runner open, and the quarterback doesn't have to always run it. Pitch that ball, and we've seen a number of the pitches that uh, would go for for big plays there. And then you think about like having Chancellor Brewington and some of those crackback blocks that we had. Those were excellent ways to open things up, right? Um, I think that that's to me that's that's probably what it is. And you get some tight ends out there, and you you have the the threat of play action. And if you can throw the ball well, you know defenses can't just come up on you. And we saw that enough times. I know Rob would pull his hair out all the time with Martinez would overthrow somebody or there'd be an open guy and we didn't see him. And when you miss those things, then defenses just get, they get riskier and they get riskier and they come up on you. I'm calling my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, sometimes it's, it's take the things that are there, you know, complete the easy passes, force the defense to to honor that. And then, uh, you know, don't screw up on the O-line. You know, don't be jumping off sides twice before we even get our first snap against Oklahoma. So it's first and 20. Put yourself in positive position so that you're not always, you know, scrambling just to get first downs. Uh, try to be on schedule. And uh, I, we've got the I, – I am not the slightest bit concerned that we don't have the players to be a successful offense next season. I mean, I think we've got talent. We've got players that just literally can it come together. Hey, real quick, before we move on to the next two, Richard Fitzwell at one point asked me what candle I was burning um, here when I blew it out early on in the podcast. It's actually kitchen spice with essential oils. It's cinnamon and five <laughs> Thanks, spice Rob. soy blend. Really appreciate so that. I wanted to make cool. sure I got that that question answered too. So you guys okay. can catch that on my um, the Go Big Burn cast. Okay, uh, I think for, for that. I think they charge us. Zoom charges us by the minute. Uh, you know, so thank thank you, Rob. <laughs> um let let me let's this will be a speed round one this is a husker nut uh i'll three questions i'll ask one to each of you uh dave run pass ratio for nebraska in 2022 my prediction of the outcome i'll say uh 48 52 so we'll throw it more than we'll run it next year yep all right um rob you're an nfl guy how many huskers get drafted well, I think a couple of them did a really good job of uh, improving their stock this year. To, Very true. Um, you know, Tori, like I, I made a joke on Twitter the other day, you know, Tori had two in that in that game the other day that um, I can't remember which it was. It was hey, Rob, senior. you know what the definition of lightning round is? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I do not, Dave. Thank you. And and now you just made it worse. But I woke up in the morning and Tori caught another touchdown. Um, So I would say at least four. At least four. I, I, for what it's worth, I mean, I – I think it's realistic as much as seven. I'm not saying it's going to be seven, but between Toure and Allen and Doman and Cantaler Britt and Stilly and Jurgens, and I'd even say Daniels. I think those seven all have a you know a legitimate shot. Any one of those seven could be drafted. Uh, Williams and Dismuke. I mean, who knows? I mean, you get to the right team, but um, I mean, the point is, this is a lot more names than we've said in any of the previous three or four drafts. I so think that's- there's a chance one of those guys goes late first round. That's, I mean. There's a, there's Dave says no way. All and right. there, I, but you know what, with the Raiders drafting, Torres well. could go first round. All right. Yeah. The so. Raiders, yeah. The Raiders could, 
you know, always do something like that. But Dave, Dave was shaking his head no, and I was laughing because I was setting myself up for my own joke. <laughs> uh, Boomer, I'm going to ask you the, the last question from Husker Nut, and it kind of ties into one that co-worker Eric also had. Uh, he says, well, co-worker Eric has, if you could make one change in Memorial Stadium, what would it be? And Husker Nut said, should Trev allow beer at Husker sporting events? And why is the answer always yes? <laughs> uh, they kind of tie in right they're kind of the they same. do yeah that's 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 i think it's one of the popular choices in the fan survey that went out um you know the options that were there you know outside of the meal options where salad was one of the choices because i know that's what that's what i hear the fans have really been hankering for at the football games was a, a good chance to get a chef salad in between quarters <laughs> but uh yeah i mean allowing beer at games is contentious but yeah so many other schools and campuses can do it and i don't hear of them having any catastrophic problems you know if for some reason nebraska can't handle it i i don't know that that's just a sad side you know if that's the case if other schools can do it and we can't for some reason it was on facebook somebody responded to us on it and (laughs) on facebook i'm sure it was positive oh my gosh it was some lady that said you know she went to college back in the early 70s and was watching johnny rogers play and and the guy behind her was smoking a cigarette and he was clearly drunk and it was embarrassing his daughter sister brother i don't know whoever was with him and then he 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 put his ash out on their suede shirt <laughs> and that guy's <laughs> name bob devaney i was like i was like there's there's a lot of legitimate arguments out there to not do it but that seems like a stretch i don't know was it was it yeah. it sounds like a scene from like can't buy me love where he spills the wine all over her suede jacket or something right like and were, were they selling beer in the stadium back in the 70s i mean that was no no that's the, time, so. that's okay. the truth they, they've never sold it right so it, the point is whether you sell it in the stadium or not it it isn't going to prevent alcohol from being in the stadium it never has right um but Dave, you and I have gone to a number of games now of Ohio State back in 2016, yep, where right. thank God we had a few beers there. And that was a 62 to three fun one. Um, you know, Colorado game a couple of years ago, and, and just a number, there's a number of these stadiums. It's not as it, it used to be a weird thing, or it used to be kind of like that one stadium you could go to. Now it's it's becoming more and more commonplace. And my thinking and the way that we tailgated again with the Ohio State uh, day game, Dave, which was kind of an all-day event. Mm-hmm. was knowing that you could continue to have them there. And of course they're $10 beers. So who's trying to get drunk at the stadium. It was more like just a feeling that I don't need to rush those last three. I don't need to chug the last two and get in the stadium. It's just, Oh, well, I mean, it, in, in fact, I never felt like we were overdoing it at any point. You just kind of yeah, went on sure, a nice pace sure. and then you went to the game and you had one and that was about it. Can I just throw in that I would really love a good chef salad with my essential oil <laughs> candle? <laughs> Are you with the blue cheese crumbles, uh, Rob? Right. Well, I am from Northern California, so sure. Yeah, avocado yeah. sounds yeah. delicious. Absolutely. I mean, we've got to be able to get a sponsor. You know, for we that. can get like a Pinot Noir or something to go with it. Well, hey, um, speaking of wine, uh, we'll try to go through these last two here. Uh, basketball we do have some questions and we haven't done a lot of basketball the the last neither is the first uh, question is pretty easy uh honky oh you go for it eric says is the criticism around the basketball program fair yes (laughs) all right i've actually seen some pretty foul criticism as well (laughs) that was lightning round right there dave that's that's the epitome of lightning round 
Um, he also asked, now this one does take a little more thought, I guess. What does Trev do after the season? Is the contract buyout the only thing keeping our head coach in his position? Dave? Um, I don't think it's the only thing, but it, it's definitely a factor. I mean, I, I think, you know, Fred could actually, you know, bring a plan to Trev to figure out how he can, you know, correct course here. And, and he may do just that. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I think Hoiberg has a lot of options here. Obviously he has 18 and a half million reasons to stay, but I don't think money's the motivating factor here and he could easily jump ship and, um, head back to an NBA front office and probably, you know, and making a similar amount of money over his career. So, um, and save a lot of face potentially while, while he's at it, but if he believes he can get it fixed and he has a plan to do that, I think he's going to try. Mm-hmm. I think the, the criticism of what we see on the court, that's completely fair. You go back to last night's radio show though, and then kind of getting bombarded by a couple of callers. Sure. I don't love that. I mean, I just, I just don't. I mean, I yeah. think Fred's a good guy. I think Fred Absolutely. cares deeply. I think he's working hard. I, this isn't an issue of nothing against Mike Riley, who was a very good guy too. But Mike Riley, there were times where I got frustrated where it just seemed like he literally couldn't care less that he was getting his his brains beat in. It was, you know, just drink my Coke and and move on. I've never got that feeling with, with Hoiberg, okay? I mean, I think he's a really good guy, but something's not working. And he, – to your point there, at least at the very least, he has to be able to show a plan that he knows how to make it start working. Because that's a, a question that we got here from Hoyball, who is formerly Believe in Fred. And he's, he's a friend of the uh, podcast, and he cares deeply about this program. He's been season ticket holder for years and years. But he goes, put yourself in the sneakers of Coach Hoiberg. Identify what you would do differently heading into year four that you haven't done or been able to do in the first three years of your program. Again, Dave, I'm going to direct this one to you first here. I mean, you're a basketball expert anyways, but, you know, if you were Hoiberg, what can you do in year four? You've tried three years to set up, a, you know, the offensive system. You've talked at times that we just haven't hit, hit enough threes, but what can we do in year four to, to get this thing going? Yeah, well, it's a great question um, from Hoiball. <laughs> Um, and it's not an easy one, obviously. If it was, it'd already be done. Um, I mean, I think if you're really trying to step back and reinvent what we're doing here, which Horberg's had a offensive first mentality and a, a five out wide open. I want to take as many shots as I can. We still, I think are like 12th in the country in pace of play type stuff. I, I just, I think we probably have to kind of reverse this and, and I think build the, the program and the mentality around uh, good defense, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because I th- felt he brought Doc Sadler and be able to bring some of that. Right. I mean, Doc's a defensive minded coach and he's, he's the one doing the X's and O's on the defense. And it just hasn't really, we, we are not a good defensive team. Um, and so I think you, if you want to have those players play hard for 40 minutes and get rewarded with that hard play by, you know, being able to take shots, uh, you, you got to start with the defensive end. So I think you kind of mm-hmm. reinvent the culture of the of the program of saying we're we're going to play great defense here in the Big Ten, and once we learn how to play great defense, then we can start uh, shooting the ball. You know, 
and mm-hmm. the opposite. I think that's a great point. I, I saw some stat, I think it was in the World Herald, where they were talking about how many games we've given up over 80 points. Yeah, and, it's crazy. I mean, it, even just compared to the Miles era, we're, you know, in Miles, we when we've given up more than 80, I mean, I think we're like one and whatever. It was one in 29 or one in th- whatever the stat was. We've only won one game. And Miles didn't have a great uh record when we gave up more than 80 it was you know sub 500 but it was still it was much better than that and we just had so fewer games to begin with where we were giving up that many points and that's yeah to your point i mean you got to score a lot if you're going to give up a lot um let's move on to baseball because this is something we're actually going to get a chance to to start to talk about next week and we were planning uh to to do a show on that anyways and we have our around the van horn section uh, segment for it uh, back to coworker Eric, uh, and Dave, we'll start with you again on this. What would you like to see in order to say that they've had a successful year in baseball? Mm, it's a great question. Especially um, after last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, you know. I mean, I, I think ideally you'd like to build on last year and say that you want to take the next step, which is winning a regional, um, which would mean you're kind of finishing – in a, a top 16 type scenario there getting to a super regional would be a pretty uh, a big deal that, that that's tough. There's a lot of that goes into that, the draw. I mean, last year we should have got, got to a super regional. We just got handed Arkansas, right. You know? So, I mean, if we had a different draw, we could have, could have made it last year. So does that mean we need to be in the cultural series in year two, if we would have made it to the super last year? No, probably not. So I, I think the idea there is that we're, Maybe it's if you look at it more from the conference perspective, can we win the Big Ten again? Right. I think we're the best team in the Big Ten. They're, they're uh, the only ranked team from a roster standpoint. So I think well, we can start with winning the conference and then go from there. That was the follow up question that he had. And I'll ask this to Boomer, but, you know, will they have high expectations due to the lack of success of the other programs? And should they? So essentially, should we only have high expectations because the Big Ten? you know, and, and baseball just isn't, you know, we're not playing in the SEC, or is this team legit? Well, I kind of took that question a little differently. I think people were saying, should we have high expectations of Nebraska baseball because Nebraska football and Nebraska men's basketball right. has been a, a dumpster oh. fire. That's how I took that. I mean, oh, it, yeah. I guess you could read it either way, but. Uh, well, I was reading it top to yeah. bottom, left to right. I, I think there is some risk of the of the fans, you know, putting too much pressure on the baseball team to be sure. that one that finally breaks through and wins championships somehow this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's always going to be a challenge for a Big Ten team to do that, you know, just to get the respect that they need to get the seeds they need. Um, but I think, like Dave said, if this team can go out win the Big Ten again, you know, and have that good shot at a regional. I, I think fans could look at that and again, be pleased with, with what they see in that, you know, and yeah. again, if you have that, get that good matchup in that regional somehow, then you do have that chance to get to the super. But uh, yeah. It, yeah, I think very, there's, there's a risk that there could be a little pressure put on them just because we're starved for something in men's sports. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There's, there, it's a very different season this year, right? I mean, keep in mind that we had a conference only schedule last year, ended up playing what almost like 40 conference games essentially. Um, and so we were really unproven until we went to um, Fayetteville and then was was able to be you know, as competitive as you could imagine versus mm-hmm. the number one team in the country at that time. Uh, whereas this year we have a pretty robust non-conference, which you would expect. That's how we usually build our schedules because the 
the Big Ten isn't um, as deep top to bottom. And we've got a lot of early matchups where we we could go, you know, one and two or one and three on a weekend uh, against in some of these, um, you know, early season tournaments uh, because we're playing some good teams. And mm-hmm. um, so I think you got to be a little bit more patient, especially I think there's another question here about the opening um, weekend starting spots. Right. And, you know, we've got to you know figure out a little bit on who's going to be. Uh, pitching for this team and I, I think we have enough enough candidates out there they're going to find them but um, that, that might take a month or so and we'll go through those candidates a lot more in depth uh, starting next week as we do our around the Van Horn uh, Rob you're coming down for the spring game I didn't even look at what there's a home uh, baseball weekend right so I mean we're <laughs> going to be going to games again like we did last year I think they're playing Rutgers again that weekend too so Oh, yippee. God, didn't we get swept by Rutgers last year? We did. Yeah, that was like the one weekend before where we were worried that maybe they were just going to blow it on the season. And then oh, after that weekend, they kind of went on a nice little streak yeah. and finished yeah. the season. Yeah. Rob's so. fault they lost. And I'm he's going to jinx us against Rutgers in baseball, too, isn't he? So, yeah, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we have one final question. I think this is, by the way, Redcasters, thank you so much for all the the people that have been following us live, the questions that have been coming in live, all the questions that we got in the mailbag earlier in the day, like Dave said earlier, we had to to shut it down because we were getting so many in. I, you just can't keep up with that. But uh, the last question, and coworker Eric's been all over this, so we'll give him the last question. This goes to Rob. Uh, does Kevin Warren still suck? Well, that's kind of, I saw that question earlier today when you sent these out to us and and I was laughing to myself because I was thinking, you know, I don't know because the best thing Kevin Warren could have done in this off season so far is shut up. And I haven't heard a thing out of Kevin Warren or about Kevin Warren in months. So right now, I mean, of course he still sucks, but as long as we don't hear from him, then I'll, I'll tolerate it. Okay. Well, Dave, I'm, I'm handing it back to you. Uh, I, I think that's a that's a pretty good full mailbag. It sure was. My Absolutely. Lord. Yes. All right, guys. Well, um, that was a lot of fun. Um, sorry about the, um, the connection issues there. Um, but as Hockey mentioned, hopefully next week we will have a bit of a baseball preview as they kick off their uh, 2022 campaign. Uh, let's get out of here with some parting shots and let's uh, let's start with hockey. Well, speaking of baseball, it, it, we have a you know sad news. That former Husker baseball coach John Sanders, uh, he passed away here over the weekend, and uh, you know I mean players like Darren Erstad and I mean Dave, you would probably know that era of baseball much better than I do. I mean, did you used to go to games at Buck Belzer back in the yeah, the absolutely. Days? I'd go there with my homework, and you just hang out with pretty much the friends and family of the team and watch like Ken Harvey and and whatnot. It was great. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't San- ask for too many tickets when you were trying no, to get in you there. Yeah. Yeah. And Sanders, I mean, he was, he brought in good talent, didn't he? A number, you know, a number of players sure. that would get drafted and everything. We just weren't, well, and actually he won a, I think I saw someone where he won like 600 or 700 games. 767 I mean. victories. He's the winningest, wow. he's the winningest coach of any sport in, in Nebraska history. Well, men's sport at least, because mm-hmm. I think Ronda Ravel has, she's hit a thousand or whatever, so. Or she's gonna hit a thousand. I don't know. It just says it just says all time wins leader across all sports. Is, okay. Is, yeah, the article I'm reading. So, mm. yeah, but like uh, anyway, like a sixty eight percent win percentage or something crazy like that. So, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, and like I said, I, I I just wasn't much of a fan at the time, so I didn't follow it as closely. But anyways, that was sad news, and uh, certainly our condolences go out to the family there. And then the only other thing I had to to say was um, kind of. You know, 
Rob mentioned it. We've got some players. Torre did just outstanding. Had a couple touchdowns in one of those postseason games, and uh, you know, I, I really hope to see uh, you know that the number of draft picks this year. I mean, that's the that's one area of progress that we can make before the season even starts. Is can we get some guys into the pros? Um, the last few years just haven't been that good, and hopefully, if they can get into the pros, then then they can you know do well there, get to the Pro Bowl, and and you know pillow fight each other there and because uh, that is pathetic we we really need to end the pro bowl it's it's awful so anyways that's a that's my parking shot thank you dave uh thanks Hunk. that was that was pretty good uh let's go with uh redcast rob well hockey kind of stole my parting shot because i was <laughs> going to bring up the whole john sanders passing away and um man i i got nothing i, I thank it, you to everyone who... two parting shots it's okay rob oh it's okay yeah i i mean I'm already seeing some of the comments on YouTube. People are telling us great show, great job. And and again, this is super cool. It's fun kind of seeing people follow us along live while we're doing this. Tell your friends, tell your family, uh, have your kids in the other room log in to make it look like more people are watching us. Do whatever you need to do to kind of get the word out there. Retweet us when we tweet the link out. Telling you people, um, Rob does yeah. not. Uh, is not used to people liking but, him this much. So oh, DLS is super, but, but Super Bowl picks. Super Bowl more, picks more importantly, more importantly, subscribe to Hill Varsity Magazine for us. Mm-hmm. Use the Redcast uh, uh, at checkout for that. You can get a discount on Hill Varsity. It's a great magazine. I got a copy in the mail uh, last week. I've been thumbing through it. There's some great articles in there. Um, you know, these guys are putting this together. They're doing a great job doing it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be looking forward. Honky and I will have a couple of guests, uh, guys from guys and gals from the Hill varsity team on with us this season. And, um, you know, and also make sure you check out some of that red cast gear. I've got some new stickers coming in. We're going to figure out ways to get those out to everybody, mm-hmm. um, you know, and try to switch those up every few months. Cause I got a new sticker guy. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you can see, I, I like a lot of stickers. I've got if for those yeah. of you watching, yeah, they're mostly comic stuff. But so fun hey, stuff. Dave, Looking hey, forward Dave, to it. We do have a, a DLS ask for Super Bowl picks. I guess we could go around the, the room with that. And I know Boomer still has a parting shot too. But Boomer, why don't you a uh, parting shot and your Super Bowl pick? Okay, well, uh, parting shot. Uh, first off, let's see. I'll just keep it simple, just just with one. I, I won't take the honky approach and you know just throw the sixty-five out there. But uh, just another Husker sport that we'd like to touch on more. But uh, some news today that uh, Husker women's bowling, the uh, final match of the Big Red Invitational from uh, your Hollywood Bowl here in Lincoln on Sunday, February twenty-seventh, is going to be carried uh, on the Big Ten network. So you'll be able to watch that. Watch Sweet. that if you'd like. Uh, I don't know if they'll allow attendance in person. Um, but uh, so it will be on TV. So it'll be a great chance to watch uh, one of our successful women's teams and uh, give them some love as well. Yeah, I'd say the Redcast could consider going there. But the last time we planned to go to a women's bowling thing was February 2020. And something kind of erupted to delay our plans right there. It, it, you might have heard of it, this whole COVID thing. So we might be responsible for that, too. So, uh, yeah, we, we may lay off a live Redcast at the, at the event. But um, at least you can watch it on TV. So that should be fun. So. And Super Bowl pick? No, Super Bowl pick. Uh, boy, I don't really watch the Super Bowl much. Um, let's see. Let's just go. Let's have fun with it. Let's just say the Bengals win by three. Why not? It's time for some revenge against the San Francisco there. Or San LA. Francisco's not in. Yeah, uh, you're right. Bowl, but uh, so. yeah, Cincinnati. <laughs> by three. Sorry. They got to they exercise the demons of all the losses they had <laughs> the 49ers back in the Super Bowls. So It's true. 
I'm I'm going for the Bengals because I still want the Raiders to be the only LA team to ever win a Super Bowl. Fair. That's fair enough. That's I'll go fair. with the Bengals because I think they already beat the best team. You know, and 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 I right now I I don't really care to to bet against Joe Burrow. I think the guy's a a winner, and you know what I mean. I I don't. I, I've seen some people say it'd be a huge upset or a big, I don't think it's an upset. <laughs> this is what You're happens right. when they, you know, they did, the top they did three beat seeds. The Raiders, both, so both, yeah, the top team. three seeds of both conferences are gone anyways for a reason. So you're already down to the, to, uh, you know, some underdogs to begin with. Yeah. I like the Bengals plus four. Um, um, I think, I mean, maybe the Rams win, but I think it's going to be a close game in my opinion. Hashtag. And, um, I also have a couple prop bets. Uh, one is uh, Cooper Cup uh, longest reception at over 28 and a half. I like that number a lot. Um, and also this one is uh, one of um, uh, uh, producer Skip's specials. I was talking to him over the weekend. Uh, Kevin Huber, uh, the, the punter, uh, over 52 and a half longest punt from uh, Kevin Huber. Mm. easy money there right there also the over on the national anthem what, what is the odds that uh somebody on um the broadcast mentions that burrow went to or could have could have gone to nebraska what do you what do you think the odds on that are? Mm. yeah that's what coworker erica just just tweeted our youtube desk i don't even what do you call this <laughs> comment like the over under commented yeah, on the point, i would chats. take the yeah. over on 0.5 yeah, point five. Gonna get mentioned. And if you are throwing all these prop bets out there, you might have a problem. So yeah, bound to be some hotlines you can call, folks. So. Well, you know, you got that burrow. Um, it's just for fun. They're not yeah. bets, boomer. All right, guys, great show. Uh, we definitely have uh, provided plenty of entertainment tonight. Um, let's call that a go big red cast. Go big red. GBR. Huda Media Production.